You're listening to Christy Unedited, the podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Gray. As the name suggests, we do things unedited around here. You can expect to hear open and authentic conversations with a side of real talk. Join me as I explore a wide variety of topics within the realm of mind, body, and spirit. Thanks for listening. Why, hello there, gorgeous. I hope you are having the most beautiful day or week, no matter where you are in the world. I am sharing with you today my long-awaited episode on my Vipassana experience. So if you tuned in to Christy Unedited a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard my reasons why. I wanted to embark on a silent meditation, which is a Vipassana, uh, but also to what I was hoping to get out of the experience. Boy, oh my goodness, was it was just not what I anticipated at all. First up, if you follow my online journey, you'll know that I rebelliously broke out after four days. I didn't actually break out, but I'm going to talk about that today. Um, And the experience was cut short because I wanted to cut it short and that it was not what I anticipated whatsoever. So I suppose what I wanted to do today is share with you a really in-depth insight into my experience all of the profound moments of introspection that I had throughout the process, um, what I did agree with and what I didn't agree with, and my thoughts and beliefs aren't right or wrong, they're just my perspective of the situation, um, why I chose to leave and the funny moments throughout and all of the profound realizations that I had after leaving. Because if I had known what I know now, I probably wouldn't have gone. And I wanted to share that with you too, especially if it's something that you've thought about embarking on, or I even know some people that I've connected with that have gone and they've loved it. And I commend anybody that embarks on any experience like that, um, because I think that it takes an incredible amount of strength, but also too, you have to be guided by your intuition no matter what journey you embark on. And that is probably my proudest moment of embarking on the Vipassana, but also deciding to leave because the old me would have stayed for 10 days out of misery and out of especially my ego. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. I would have wanted to do it to prove to the world that I could do it. And I realized um, after four days that I wanted my journey to come to an end, but I was also following my intuition on that. And it actually is maybe not what you expected. So I'm going to give you the 411 and be as completely transparent as I can. Um, again, as I mentioned, these are on, it's only my perspective of the experience. Um, and I think people embark on different journeys for their own reasons. And so I'm just sharing a little snippet of mine today. So let's do this, babe. Okay, so if you've already tuned in, you'll know why I wanted to embark on a Vipassana, but um, just for anybody listening that hasn't listened to that episode, I felt like I needed a moment of enlightenment. I wanted to eliminate all distractions in my life and sit with myself because prior to going, I was just like, go, go, go. I wasn't breathing, (laughs) like I was breathing, but I wasn't actually taking a breath. 
And I think that is a natural tendency of mine to just go, go, go all the time and not feel like I'm doing enough. I've noticed it more now since having a business. Like I feel like I'm not doing enough. There's never an end goal or an end result. (laughs) And so I found that I have to ride the wave, ride the wave whether it's of emotion or workload or whatever it may be. And it has been something that I have been trying to master, which you can't even master, is like how do I master and control my day-to-day when I really can't at all. And so I felt like I was always chasing the finish line and I just wanted a break. I actually think that's what it was. Now that I look back and reflect, I think I just needed a holiday or a break or I needed to detach from my work. So I thought by going into 10 days of silence with no distractions and sitting with myself would give me not only a break, but it would also give me these profound moments, which it did. And I'm going to talk about those today because I've written so many notes down that I want to share with you. But in the lead up to going, I felt like I still had a lot of healing that I wanted to do or not healing, but I wanted to let go of some things like my relationship with my father, which I know I've spoken about this before, um, has always been, um, troubled in this lifetime. Um, I've come to terms with our relationship and I have so much love for him as a person. He's very aware of this now that we've, um, I suppose re- Uh, I don't want to say rekindled because that sounds like a relationship, but I think that we've found common ground. And so um, there's been a lot emotionally that I've had to heal and work through, but I felt like there was still a little bit of healing or letting go that I needed to do in that area. I don't know if I've shared that before, um, like in the pre-Vipassana episode. Um, Also too, I still feel like I was hanging on to a lot of my old life, like my corporate job, my you know, life prior to stepping into entrepreneurship. And so I really wanted to release that energy and let that go as well. I just felt like I needed to kind of step into a new person. And I think even I used that terminology when I was talking to some people, like I was wanting to um, come out the other side, not just as me as a person, like new and improved, but a more refined version of who I was. So it was actually kind of interesting now looking back at that because God, am I, that is like not even the reflection moments that I had while I was there. I had a whole lot of universal signs prior to the lead up of embarking on this journey. Um, And I just kept blaming Mercury retrograde and ignoring the signs. Can I just tell you, tune into your intuition. My intuition is my inner compass I cannot believe how much I was ignoring my intuition because I wasn't allowing myself the time and space to explore it. Hands down, I was not spending time meditating um, or at least taking just some time to catch my breath. I was going to hot and cold therapy, but I want to tick that off the list because I get the most introspection when I'm there in cold water immersion which I did talk about, but beyond that, I wasn't really doing anything else. And that's a perfect example of not clearing the clutter of life and just sitting with yourself so that you can lean into your intuition. And so I was ignoring all of the signs. So some of the signs that were coming up were um, like nothing went right. 
into the lead up of the Vipassana. Like everything that was happening was just going AWOL, whether it was in my business or my personal life, not in a really like bad way. It's like a first world problem way, but I was ignoring it. So um, whether it was um, trying to find the right times to book in clients, uh, whether it was, um, I had this massive workload that I'd put on myself and everything was taking so much longer. I was like, oh, it's just Mercury retrograde, Christy, like, you know, whatever. Um, even the day of the Vipassana, I left later than I'd anticipated because it was about a three hour drive from my home. I was sitting in a bikini cause I'd been to hot and cold therapy first thing in the morning, like at 8am. And I think I needed to leave home around 1pm. I came home, I worked at my laptop and I was sitting in my bikini up until 15 minutes before I had to leave. So of course I was running late, but everything took longer everything was going wrong. I tried to post on Instagram that entire day and Instagram wouldn't let me post. Like there were a few little things that just weren't effortless for me. And I always think that that's a big warning sign. If things aren't flowing, it means like we're going against the tide rather than with it. So I had also a lot of anxiousness. I'm not an anxious person, nor have I had any um, issues with anxiety. Um, I'm quite lucky that I haven't had to really battle with that. I've only ever had one panic attack in my life and that was um, not long after I had my um, breast reduction operation um, augmentation, which was for my 30th birthday. So, um, oh my goodness, that was like my 30th 30th birthday. That's a long time ago. Um, Side note. (laughs) Um, And I think it was just purely because of the anesthetic and going back to work too early in the piece. And um, I think it just was really overwhelming. So I haven't really ever had to deal with that. But my anxiety was through the roof to the lead up. I think I was crying at the drop of the hat. Mum came around to see me on the Monday and I was leaving on the Wednesday and I just broke down in tears to her and I was like, I I, I think I was really scared that I was about to up-level at a pace that I wasn't equipped to deal with because I put so much pressure on this experience like this was going to be this profound moment of introspection this was going to up level me to an entirely new level Um, and so I was like feeling really emotional about my relationship with my dad and a lot of stuff and I had put so much pressure on this experience and then everybody else around me was like I can't believe you're doing it it's going to be amazing that I just felt completely overwhelmed by everything and even um, I have some magical morning practice partners so I'm in a um, membership I joined Gala Darlings the Vortex late last year and a part of that is um, having magical morning practice partners that's what they're called I have four all over the world Um, and we share our gratitude so what we're happy and grateful for every morning via voice note and whatsapp we also share what our daily desires are so what we're speaking into existence for the day and then what our future intentions are and I was wrapping up my magical morning practice partners as I was driving to the Vipassana because I needed to listen to their messages and respond before I was embarking on this 10 days of silence and I even got really teary and started sharing like why I was going on it my relationship with my dad and all of these emotions that I was experiencing because I just don't even and there was this anxiousness surrounding and I just don't even think I'd given myself a chance to really dive into why I was getting so worked up about it. So I kind of also saw that as a bit of a universal sign. 
And then you wouldn't believe, lo and behold, I was the last person to check in to the female area and finally got the opportunity to hand in my things because you need to hand in your keys, your wallet and your phone because it goes into safe. But as I walked into the centre, there was somebody that I knew from um, a previous role um, in my corporate world, in the corporate world I should say, or in my last corporate job or a couple before that, that I had had to um, let go of because of um, not some great circumstances. So she had had to leave the business um, based on her performance and behavior, and it was not necessarily the greatest experience I've had in terms of people management. And so I just walked in and I was like, oh, holy shit, if that's not a sign, (laughs) I don't know what it is. And so I just was like, you know what, Christy, let it go. You're not going to be able to talk to her anyway. But I also didn't want her to feel uncomfortable because I think that was the biggest thing is like so much has changed for me since then. And I was hoping that she may have changed as a person. And so I just thought I'm going to be really open. My energy, I want it to be really open and welcoming. So if she does want to approach me prior to us moving into silence, she has the ability to do so, which she didn't. But anyway, I was just kind of putting it out there. And anyway, when I was like handing my stuff in and checking in, um, there's like a woman's manager um, who um, looks after all of us throughout the experience and I'll take you through some of the roles in the centre in a moment and she said to me if I had any questions and I just was like can I tap out like I actually said can I tap out and she was like no and I was like it's like she was joking like but she was actually being really serious and I was just like I actually felt like that I just wanted to turn back and drive home but I was like no this is going to be fine you're just freaking out for no reason so it was really interesting to kind of gauge my wage of a wave of emotions throughout the course of those days and anyway to cut a long story short I was roomed next to um, the person that I was speaking about before Um, we weren't in the same room though but I was allocated a room because you need to share a room some people do Um, with somebody else there is a wall dividing you I had a really cool roommate she was French she was on a visa she was like coming to the end of her um, trip in Australia it was her second time here and we had a bit of a chat before we got started because you could talk to anyone um, before embarking on dinner and then once you head into your first meditation um, of that evening then you go completely into silence and then you're ready for the next 10 days so I actually had the opportunity to talk to a few ladies um All of the ladies I spoke to, it was their first time at the centre. They were all kind of apprehensive about their experience. I was really open saying I really didn't know what I was in for. And I think this is where this anxiety had crept up for me is this lack of control. I didn't know what each day would look like. It was had nothing to do with being in silence or not having a phone. Like I really couldn't care less about those things. It was more like not knowing or having control over the entire experience, like what I was able to do, what the routine looked like. And so this is my mic drop moment for you. If I had known what the daily routine would have looked like, I never would have gone. Hands are down. And then there's a few reasons why. So the center runs by a Vipassana practice on audio that was recorded in the 80s, I'm presuming. 
There's only video teachings at the end of each day, which I'll get to, which is recorded, I would imagine, in the 80s. Um, I was told that by one of the um, head teachers. So when you first walk into the meditation hall on the night before you go into silence, and the premises are beautiful. They're gorgeous. It's just, it's stunning. It's on the Sunshine Coast. It's so beautiful. Um, So when you first walk into the hall, because men and women are segregated, you... Um, on this on the property and in the meditation hall at the front of the room there's a male teacher on the so if I was sitting down it was like be my left and there is a um, woman's teacher on the right so they don't actually teach you throughout the process there's audio that's teaching you but you have guidance from the teachers the head teachers and so instantly I felt a lack of connection from the experience because I, when I put my mind to anything, because my Mercury's in Virgo as well, it's like I am in it for the long haul. Like I am here to learn. I am here to use me as a vessel so I can be the, you know, the catalyst for change for others. I'm like here, I'm in it and I want to absorb all your knowledge. And straight off the bat, there was like this element of disconnection for me. And so I, because everything was via audio, so I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm cool with that because I'm going to be meditating my ass off for the next 10 days anyway. But the teachings just didn't feel right. And I just was like, you know what, Christy, you're a Virgo. You're going to judge everything. So just suck it up. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's the first time. Then I see the schedule. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) This is the schedule of the day. And everything's in time blocks, which was, that was really good. I was totally into the time blocks. Um, there's a gong that is rung, which I'm going to also talk about from an NLP perspective of how that can um, create positive or negative connotations. So there was a gong that was read at the, at the, it was read, sorry. It was rung at the start of each time block or finished so that you knew that you needed to get to the next piece of your day. So this is the day babe. 4am wake up, the gong rings. You've got a 30 minute block to do whatever you've got to do because you can only shower at certain times of the day because any meditation hours, you're not allowed to do anything other than meditate. So, and there's only a couple of places you're allowed to actually meditate as well, which I'll get to. So 4am wake up, you've got a 30 minute block. So what I was trying to do is get my ass to the shower and have a shower to kind of create a reset for my day and to Get some cleansing going on. (laughs) Cleans that soul, baby. Um, 4.30 a.m. is your first meditation block, which is two hours. So it's 4.30 to 6.30 a.m. So on the first day, I actually headed straight to the meditation hall because you're only allowed to meditate in two places, which is your room, which is teeny tiny. It's probably only a couple of square foot, if that, one square foot, maybe. No, two. Yeah, two by one, I think. Um, Or the meditation hall. So I actually headed straight to the meditation hall. I meditated my first one off the bat, um, was an hour and 15 minutes, felt incredible, which I'll get to some of those points as well. Um, And uh, you tackle that first block. So you can do that in the hall or in your room. Then 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. is breakfast, and you only have a small window for breakfast and rest. 
So rest, you're not allowed to do any exercise. You can walk around the premises. Um, you're not allowed to make eye contact with anybody because everybody's in an um, in their own journey. So really all you're doing is sitting around or going for a walk or doing maybe some hand washing or maybe shower again <laughs> um, because there's nothing you can read, you can't write because you're not allowed to take a journal, you're not allowed to take a book, you don't have access to a phone and so it's really about connecting with nature. And that first day I was so tired but I think it's because I've been working so hard into the lead up. And then the first um, group meditation is in the hall, and that's from 8 a.m. till 9 a.m. So the first hour, you need to be in the hall, and then you'll be given further instructions from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., whether you have to do some meditation in the hall or all of it, or you can go back to your room. So each day was a little bit different. So by the time you hit 11 o'clock, you've already done five hours of meditation, so the days are very long because the days are 17 hour days. So that's what I found is the days were long and even though you're meditating, you're concentrating. And so it wasn't actually as relaxing as maybe I thought it would be. I didn't think it'd be easy, but I couldn't believe the expectations on the meditation practice. So 11 a.m. to... I think I want to say 12.30 or 1. I think it was like 12.30 was lunch and rest. And then 12.30 till 2.30 was meditation. And I was like picking to do meditation in my room. Uh, 2.30 to 3.30 was group meditation in the hall. Um, 3.30 to 5 was some meditation in the hall or back in your room. 5 p.m. till 6 p.m. was dinner, but you don't have food because you're fasting. So you would have like some lemon water and some fruit um, and you have like a small window for that and then just a little bit of rest. And this is where my self started to unravel was from 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. So 6 p.m. from 9 p.m. you need to be in the hall. And this is how it rolls. So 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. is group meditation. 7 p.m. to about 8.50 a.m. I'm oh, sorry, 8.15, 8.15 p.m. is a video from the Dharma that was recorded from, I'm guessing, the 80s uh, that was all about your experience from today and giving you different techniques to use the following day. And then the rest was then integrating that practice until 9 p.m. and then you could go to bed. So by the end of the day, you've probably spent about 10 and a half hours in meditation out of a 17 hour day. So I think for me, after the first day, I had some really incredible moments in meditation. And when I get towards the end of all of my moments of introspection, I really want to share some of those with you because I had some really profound moments in meditation and I think that's why I had the courage to step up and leave after four days because I felt like I'd gotten what I needed from the experience there. But the biggest thing for me is my word for 2020 is freedom and I didn't even think about this after until after I'd left, but my word of the year is freedom and can I tell you that that experience was the furthest from freedom. I felt really caged in, I felt like... I wasn't really resonating with the teachings from day one. And so when we were having to watch these teachings, 
they just, I felt like it was really repetitive. Um, I have a lot of fire in my natal chart, remember? So once I hang on to something, like once I understand something, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to run with it. And I get these varied levels of experience in the room, but it was very repetitive. He kept talking about the same thing. This is where I just was like the penny drop for me. He really was talking about how this practice, this Vipassana practice is, there's no, it's not a religion, totally understand it's like a way of living. Um, there's no belief systems. There's no values. But what he did say is that to get to enlightenment, because I remember this, that you need to sit in silence for 10 days to reach it. And for me, I don't agree with that whatsoever. And I really want to talk to this today is that you can create enlightenment in your day to day. And the average person does not have 10 and a half hours every day to spend in meditation. I think that you can get profound insight into meditation practices, but I would question that enlightenment comes at the end of 10 days. So I realized that I am far more rebellious than I ever thought I was because I was planning my escape from day one. I remember sitting on day one and I felt amazing. This is like midday was like the good time of the day for me because I just spent all these hours relaxing. I actually did a ton of stretching, which you're not even meant to do. So in the meditation practice, I was stretching and I was meditating. I was doing a little bit of napping, um, not a lot, but like if you lie down and meditate, which you can do in your room, you're actually, he tells you to move after like five minutes because you will naturally fall asleep. So I was finding I was trying to stretch and actually like relax my muscles. But the amount of energetic release I got from those four days was insane. My body was cracking left, right and center. I felt like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders and it was finally lifting off. But I was just planning. I, I was like lying next to this beautiful waterfall that's on the premises. And I was the only one in that area. I spent a a lot of time outside because I just find that's the best way for me to ground myself and I was just staring at the water and I was like I wonder if like we had a zombie apocalypse like I was like thinking of the walking dead and I was like I know I'd be out there with Rick in the forefront from the walking dead that is um guiding the way for the babes <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I hope we have a zombie apocalypse. And I was like thinking of all these things. I was like, how could I break out of here? How do I get my keys? Like it was so comical that it was funny. And I was like, and I was really exploring that. It wasn't about just having these really crazy thoughts because you've got to remember my Mercury's in Virgo. So it's kind of practical. I have these profound moments, but I'm not an overthinker because I actually don't have a lot of air in my natal chart. And so I wasn't overthinking or anything. I just was having these like moments of introspection of going, ah, okay, why? And I was able to observe it as like a bystander. So I was like, okay, so I'm thinking about breaking out right now. Well, what does that really mean? Okay, well, that actually means I'm probably more rebellious than I think I am or give myself credit for. And that I, I feel like I'm a natural born leader. So that's also okay too. So it was like I was having these thoughts and then I was kind of unpacking them because for the first time forever, I'd actually given myself the time to unpack them. And so it was really good for me to actually stop and like smell the roses, if that's what you want to call it. So that was happening. And I was like, I was the one that was walking around with a smile on my face because I was like, I'm not changing who I am as a person and like 
staring at the ground. Like, sure, I wasn't making eye contact with anybody, but I was like, I want to make this an incredible experience. Like, who gets to take 10 days out of their life to go and meditate their ass off? Not many people get the opportunity to do that. So I really wanted to use my time wisely. And it was really interesting because the cracks started to appear quite quickly with the woman. So I'm a natural observer, as you know, and so I'm always observing my surroundings. And it was interesting. The guys were hot, by the way. So if you're a guy listening or you know a guy that just went on a Vipassana on the Sunshine Coast, like the guy, some of the guys were like good looking. They were like, I would imagine in their 30s. Um, I was like thinking some of them were the same age as me and they were always first in the meditation hall. They were like zero fucks given. They were in there getting the work done. Whereas like when I was looking around at the woman, a lot of the time, and look, this is just, again, my perspective, it could be completely wrong, but a lot of the women just felt, looked miserable because we lead with our emotions. They looked miserable. I could see like a few um, interactions with the um, woman's manager, whether it be about they were uncomfortable in the meditation hall because they didn't have the right equipment to meditate because you are sitting in meditation um, all day um, and you have props and things to help you to make it more comfortable or they were there were issues with the food. So, and then as we would like, as each day kind of progressed and we'd have to be in the hall, the gong would ring and then we'd be all waiting outside and there's a clock so you know when you need to be in the hall because you've got to be in there a few minutes prior and meditating so that everyone begins at the same time. It's about um, being diligent in the practice and he used to always say the Dharma over the audio, you're bound to be successful, bound to be successful. He used to say it like more than once. It was a bit creepy, to be honest. And like you would see the woman as each day progressed, like not all of them, but some of them, like they'd be like stalling out the front, lots of stretching. I was one of them. I was like, how can I stall? Because I don't want to get back in the hall. And it just felt like work. Like I felt like that is what, being in jail feels like. And I just was like, this is not living. So before I talk about how I managed to get out of there, I want to tell, talk you through some of the moments of introspection that I had. And that might help to give you some background as to why I made the decisions to leave. So it's actually a little bit windy outside. And if you can hear some strange noises, it's because of the wind. <laughs> so some of my realizations, and I'm reading this from my notes because I've been taking so many notes since embarking on this journey, is you don't have to stop the things that make you happy to become happier. I think my moment that was super profound was that I realized all of the modalities that we have access to today, whether it's going to yoga or Pilates, or for me, it's attending hot and cold therapy, or um, using a journal to jot down your gratitude for the day, that all of those modalities, if they make you feel great, then don't stop them. I felt like I had to strip away everything to find like to get to the source of who I was, you don't. 
That's as simple as that. So I was like, why am I, that's why I made the decision to intuitively stretch and use my time wisely while I was there and connect with mother nature because you weren't allowed to walk around bare feet outside because there's so much wildlife and bugs and like they're the things that make me feel good and connected to the world and so I truly believe that you do not have to stop the things that make you happy to become any happier like do them boo do you boo also I am so much more powerful and courageous than I give myself credit for. I felt like I had to strip everything back and step into this more refined version of who I am. No, I had the courage to leave when it I felt that it was the right time and I'm so proud of that because I think especially as women, we need to be able to... Um, channel our intuition and be guided by it and know when it's our intuition versus our ego and I've really explored my intuition probably more so the last 12 months as you've as you've heard me repeatedly say on here and that I listened to that I knew when to identify it and I knew when to run with it and so that's why when I speak about being more powerful and courageous than I give myself credit for that's actually what I'm referring to because I could have stayed and then turned that in a really negative experience if I'd stayed the 10 days, but instead I thought, fuck it, I'm going, I'm leaving, I've gotten what I need to get from here, and I'm actually okay with that. And that was more powerful than I ever thought it would be. Um, As I mentioned before, that I am rebellious in nature, and I used to see the rebellious side as a bit of a weakness, Um, when I worked in the corporate world, especially, I know I'm really headstrong and I like to do things my own way. And I wasn't even really good at being given feedback at times, not all the time. I actually craved feedback, but it depended how it was delivered with what level I decided to take it on board. And I saw like my independence and rebelliousness as I felt like sometimes a little bit of out of place in the corporate world, not all the time because my corporate experience like in learning and development the last 10 years has been so damn magical. It's been an incredible and integral part of who I am as a person and I feel so grateful for the experience. But I realized like the rebellious nature and the independence that I have as a person is actually the greatest gift. And I think why I'm sharing that with you is because I think sometimes we look at some of our attributes that are really strong as weaknesses or opportunities to develop. But, and I use this as a methodology with all of the people that I work with, as it's like, know your strengths and play to them. But any of those dominant traits that you have as an individual, they're a strength too. And sometimes I think it's really easy for us to forget that about ourselves. And so I really saw that as, oh my goodness, That's the wind outside. I don't know if the mic's picking that up, but it's like coming through my window and making a really weird noise. So if you can hear that in the background, I do apologize. So yes, anyway. Okay, this is where it might be a little bit controversial. I think that traditional modalities have a place. I think they're incredible. um, And that traditional modalities have been in place for centuries because they're there to help us reconnect with ourselves or the world around us or other people or generate empathy or kindness or have a greater perspective. But what I would suggest is choose your modalities wisely, especially if they're traditional. 
do something that or 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 embark on a journey with somebody or something that you resonate with. And I think if I had done some maybe additional exploration into the methodologies, I trawled their website and I'd looked at all the videos and I was just seeing all the positive things. The schedule wasn't there. The, um, I should have probably Googled some other elements of Vipassana experiences, but I was going firsthand on what the lady that had recommended me go there had been through. And that, sure, that could have been right for her. I just don't think it was right for me or it was maybe just right for the four days that I went. So I think that that was something that was a really big moment for me of not everything's going to resonate for me as a person, but it might resonate for somebody else and that's totally cool. So choose wisely, but also choose what intuitively aligns with you. Trusting your intuition. Honey, trusting your intuition is by far the greatest skill you can learn today, hands down. If you don't know how to do it, get a book from the library, Google it. I have a really amazing book recommendation, which I'm going to link in the show notes below. Um, When I was exploring my intuition, my best friend Sarah bought it for me for my birthday last year, and it has been an absolute game changer. Um, It's knowing how to decipher between your head and your heart. It's a skill, like anything, you need to develop, and my moment when I realized my intuition is the strongest it's ever been was when I was on the Vipassana, and I was like, I just need to be guided by this more than anything else, so... If it's a skill that you haven't developed, I encourage you to trust to, to develop it and then trust it, but know how to differentiate between your head and your heart or put some modalities in place to allow you to explore it. All right. This is another one, which I'm going to get to in a moment of how I decided to leave, is that if you explain your perspective to somebody, um, <laughs> especially when you're challenging belief systems, if their belief system isn't anywhere near yours, they're probably not going to be willing to compromise and there's no point trying to get your point across. So I realized when I was trying to state my case and leaving the Vipassana that my belief system versus the belief system of the um, woman's teacher, they were completely misaligned and I knew I was not going to get anywhere with trying to be seen or heard in that interaction. And so rather than trying to state my case and get my point across, I decided to tap out and just see what I could do to get out of there. So I'm going to take you through that in a moment. And I think that's really important. It's a really um, it's a really integral key to how you effectively communicate with others. Not everybody's going to see you or see your perspective. Not everybody's going to hear what you're saying or they're going to choose what they want to hear. Um, and if belief systems or communication is completely misaligned, then that's okay and know when it's time for you to walk away. And I chose to do that and I'm really proud that I did that as well. So I suppose as a kind of a synopsis before I share with you how I managed to get out is that enlightenment does not come to you in 10 days of silence. Um, Enlightenment definitely wasn't coming to me in 17 hour days with 10 of those spent in meditation. For me, enlightenment comes in all of the moments in between. It's like that smile, that smirk between friends. It's like when you have big belly laughs with the kids around you. It's like for me, as a big moment of enlightenment is like making a cup of coffee, sitting in the sun on my couch. There's this little spot I sit in my house and oh, like I get goosebumps telling you about it. It's like the sunshine's 
the sunshine pours through my window, I have a cup of coffee, it's in the morning, I haven't connected with the world yet, that to me is an enlightenment and that makes me the smile the most and I think they're the moments that we take for granted. And as I'm recording this, coronavirus is like on the rise, there's a pandemic happening out there and the world is in scarcity mindset and I just think of this as like the perfect time to really go inwards and think of all the things that bring you great joy and use this time wisely and raise up your vibration and raise others' vibration up and it's the simple things in life, honey, that make us so much more enlightened as individuals. So yeah, that's been a really big thing that I'm sitting with right now and more so than I'd ever anticipated. So I really didn't need 10 days of silence or four days to realize I needed to repair any relationship with my dad or anybody else. I realized that the healing work I had done there, it didn't even come into my thought process while I was away. All of these moments kind of pointed me towards intuition, following your North Star, um, knowing that anything that makes you feel good is worth doing and that I just felt like I had the most beautiful life. So on the fact of a beautiful life, I decided after four days it was time to leave. And so it was a process in leaving. You can't just leave. And the day I picked to go, <laughs> so they actually have somebody that you can talk to each day you can book an appointment with. She wasn't available on that day. And so I had to go to the woman's manager and say, that I needed to speak to somebody about leaving. Um, I was really anxious that day. I was very emotional. I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't. Um, I had heightened how I was feeling though because I wanted to leave. I felt caged in by the experience. I felt really trapped. And so I knew that I needed to get that point across. And so I communicated that in the best way that I knew how. And that was like by... Um, actually saying how anxious that I was and I just did not feel comfortable being there at all. So I wasn't actually allowed to speak to somebody instantly, which disappointed me to be honest, because even though I was upset, um, I wasn't like hysterical. I'd been crying, yes, and I wanted to leave, but I was told that I had to eat first before I was allowed to speak to the woman's teacher. And I was told, I said, well, I can't eat because I'm anxious. And um, I had a cup of tea with me though. And so the, and this is where things get a little interesting. And I suppose I'm taking a bit of a deep breath because I have lots of thoughts on all of this. And I just also want to be really careful of how I pick my words um, because I know mental health is a real deal and that's another concern for me too. So I don't have any mental health issues in the past. For all that I know, for I have dr had drug addiction in the past and I had outlaid all my drug issues um, to them. A lot of them are like 10 years ago, but they're still a part of who I am as a person. So I outlined everything when I first walked in and I had to do that even with my application. And so um, a couple of things were running through my mind then. I was like, oh, fuck's sake. Like if I eat, is that actually going to help where I'm at right now? And she really wanted me to eat something to ground myself. And I understand that. And she was like, even if you have a biscuit. And I was like thinking a biscuit ain't going to solve my problems at all. <laughs> so anyway, I was like, I'm going to make a cup of tea. And I was like, look, I just don't want to disturb anyone. Because even though you aren't making eye contact with anybody, everybody was at lunch. I just was like, 
done with my experience. I'd sat outside the last meditation hour with my cup of tea and just was like, you know what, I'm staying outside for this because I just need to ground with mother nature. But people know what's happening. They're not stupid. They can pick up on your energy. And so I just didn't want to disrupt anybody because then you just start thinking about that because there'd been somebody that had left that morning. And so me, I just knew exactly what was going on. And so... I was like, right, I'm going to eat a biscuit and all this. And I think a couple of things were going through my mind then was, okay, I need to eat to make everybody else happy right now because otherwise nobody's going to talk to me. And two, I was like, imagine if I did have really profound mental health issues. And I know that's a risk that you take when you go into something like this, but I'd already isolated myself for four days and then I was not even allowed to be heard or seen straight away, that that was a real knock. And I thought, imagine if I did have any issues, that could then accelerate the issue immensely. So I was finally allowed to be seen after I'd eaten and I was asked one initial question about how I was feeling, which I was very vocal and transparent. I said, I feel really trapped here. I feel very trapped by this experience. I said, I don't resonate with the teachings. And I said, one thing that's really important to me is authenticity. And if I don't resonate with something, I feel really disingenuous as a human being. And she was like, but there's no teachings, there's no belief systems. And I was like, well, I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. Because I was like thinking, well, you've just told, he's just told us in the last four days that to reach enlightenment, we've got to get to this. And, and this is me. I go all in on something and it's really hard for me to see anything beyond that. That's where I'm very black and white, which isn't necessarily a strength. <laughs> and um, I just realized straight from then that I was never going to get my point across. She talked at me for probably about five minutes about all of the amazing benefits of the experience, but didn't really ask me any questions. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is going to go down well. And then she said, I just need you to go ground yourself, take a breath. I really want to see you back in the meditation hall at 2 p.m. This is really normal. And I'm, you know, this is this is the wound you're opening up. This is everything you need to work through. And I was like, and she said, you've felt really trapped before. Um, that's why, you know, you've used drugs as escapism in the past. And I was thinking, no, I was just really rebellious and didn't give a fuck about anything and it was all to do with my daddy issues let's be realistic so <laughs> I was like it's somebody had only got really a small snapshot of who I was as a person and never asked any questions so she actually really didn't know but she wasn't she's not trained to know either and so I was like yeah this isn't going anyway so I was like you know what I'm gonna go I'll, I'll see how I go and so I went and like sat outside took my shoes off didn't care I was like I'm walking around bare feet I like had a cup of tea, I went and had a shower, I started packing my bags and I was like, I'm getting out of here. I just, I'm not staying here. And so I went back to the female manager, it was about an hour and a half later and she's like, how are you now? I said, I'm worse, I feel worse, I just want to leave. And so she took me back and the lady did see me and she said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go. And she said, fine. And that was that. So it was such a process, but I have a couple of thoughts on this. First up, I had to wait until 2 p.m. when everyone was in the meditation hall because you're not allowed to leave or let anyone see you leaving because everybody's feeling the same angst and I totally get it and I was more than happy to do that because then they'll want to leave. So I was like, mm, okay, this is not necessarily enlightening, just my perspective. And then um, I then really was like, imagine if I had a mental health issue like I'd really alluded to 
having a lot of anxiety that day. Um, and I was just kind of left to go out on my own devices. And so I think having mental resilience, you would absolutely need it to go into an experience like that, because if you weren't equipped from a resilience perspective and you decided to leave, like that could maybe be detrimental to your health and well-being. But I think that's, again, they're not necessarily trained as mental health experts. They're here to facilitate an experience for you, which is meditation. But I suppose... I'm such an empathetic person that is always trying to support and guide my clients and only um, give support and advice based on my experience because I'm not a therapist or a counsellor and sure I have coaching experience and I'm an NLP practitioner and you know I have a, a plethora of credentials in health and well-being but I also know my limitations. So from an NLP perspective whether you are interested in neuro-linguistic programming or you've been exposed to it in the past, it's really interesting because what we do as human beings is we attach meaning to things, whether it's people, places, or experiences. And normally we're in, when we're attaching meaning, it's either a positive or a negative emotion. And what we really need to do is reframe it so we create more of a neutral emotion um, when we're attaching meaning to something. So when you're reframing something, you're trying to seek a different perspective. And I know how easily that comes to us as humans, but I was able to witness it firsthand at the Vipassana because can I tell you that every time that gong rang, whether it was at 4 a.m., or 9 p.m., I had started to attach negative meaning to it. And that negative meaning was not going away no matter what. And I think maybe because when you can't distract yourself with anything else, you actually see something for what it is. So I suppose my biggest lessons um, or insights from my entire experience and the four days that I was there were actually really profound. They were incredible. I had the um, biggest moments in my life of my version of enlightenment. I followed my intuition in the meditation practice and I always felt like I was a day ahead of the teachings. I had some really um, out, crazy out-of-body experiences, which actually explained a lot for me from what had been happening to me last year, especially, um, which I'm sure if you want me to, I can unpack at a later date. Um, but there, there was these moments where I just felt such a connection with the universe and the world around me that I felt like I had gotten what I needed to throughout those four days and then it was time for me to leave and embark on a new journey. So I remember saying to the um, woman's teacher as I was stating my case before I left, but I said to her, my life is beautiful and I am so happy and grateful for it. And she said to me, no doubt that your life is beautiful. And I said, no, my life is truly beautiful but it took coming here for me to actually realize that. And she may have felt like I still had demons to overcome or that my drug-addicted past um, had still some healing to do. But in that moment, when like I was choking back some tears, 
But they weren't just tears of anxiousness, they were tears of happiness because I truly, when I say that, I mean it with all my heart, that my life is beautiful and that I've consciously co-created it with the universe. I've taken action in the best way I can. I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be and I feel so truly humbled that I was able to not only realize that, but also act on what I believed was right for me in that moment, which was deciding to end my experience. So I just, I'm re- I feel like I can't even put into words right now how I feel. Recounting this story, even to you, I thought I'd be jumping on here today and sharing with you in like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, my experience. But I've realized that there's been so much more about my experience that I have not only uncovered about myself, but I've uncovered about my life. And I think the greatest gift I can share with you from my experience, just from what I was able to observe, is Being grounded in the present moment, whether it's the work that you're doing, the person that you're talking to, whatever it may be, be okay with the present moment and don't be so quick to think of what you need to do next or the 10 million things you have on your to-do list or um, that you're thinking of how you're going to respond to that person because not only did I have so many profound moments, I realized I was running a race with myself that I didn't need to be doing. And so I've realized that all I can do is get done what I can do in a day. I can, I have to be able to maintain my energy, but I give it my all with the person that I'm working with and really be grounded in the present moment and embody that feminine energy. And that has been such a lesson for me since being back almost three weeks now, I think, I don't even know, but it's just be mindful and present and conscious with anything that you're doing because everything else can wait And I actually think that this is the perfect time for us to explore this as the world is slowly moving into somewhat of a meltdown mode is like know that you can only control so much um, and anything that you don't have control over, there's no point worrying about it. But what you can do is control yourself. So yeah, so much, so much to sit with and digest. But I hope you've enjoyed this very long-winded episode about my experience I plan on recording more solos for you babes maybe to not this extent unless you like them (laughs) Um, but if you have any questions about my experience or if there's anything that you want to unpack further or if there's anything you want to question or I'd even be open if there's anybody listening that has been on a Vipassana and has had the entirely opposite experience from me I would love for you to reach out to me I would love to even um have you on the podcast to share your experience because you know that I'm a big believer that the experiences I have in this lifetime can be really different to yours and it doesn't mean either of ours are right or wrong so I'm always open to your perspectives and your experiences and I would love to be able to share those with the world as well so please reach out to me whether you've been on the experience or you want to chat with me further about it anyway babes have the most beautiful day and um, we'll be back next week with a collab episode enjoy 
thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review, and subscribe where you love to listen. Or you can connect with me via social at Bound for Beauty. And that's beauty with an E. I'll see you next time.